Welcome to Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. On the show, our team of industry experts interviews contingency fee attorneys. You will discover everything from how they got started to the secrets of their success and what's working in today's marketplace. And now, here's the Case Closed Podcast. Okay, welcome to the podcast, Case Closed, uh, with your host, Sean Coons here, Certified Financial Fiduciary. Today, we have Coleman Younger with the Patterson Legal Group. Uh, He's a personal injury attorney, and I will let him introduce himself. Coleman, go ahead, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what you do, and and why you do it. Hey, Sean, I appreciate the time here today. Uh, Coleman Younger with Patterson Legal Group. Like you said, we presently have six offices across Kansas and one located in St. Joe, Missouri. We are the second largest personal injury firm in the state of Kansas. I personally cover Kansas, Nebraska, and Wyoming uh, with the cases that I handle. I grew up in a small town in Northeast Kansas called Frankfurt. About uh, I, I like to say there's a thousand people there on a good day, but there hasn't been a good day in about 30 years. Um, (laughs) followed that along, wanted to stay local, wanted to give back to the people who had given so much to me. So I just went down the road, not too far and did my undergrad at Kansas state, did my law training at Washburn university in Topeka, uh, followed that down to Southwest Kansas to a town called Hugoton. I initially wanted to get into some general practice, just see what really stuck with me, uh, what things would stand out, what I really enjoyed doing in the legal fields. I was down there for about a year and a half. Uh, The opportunity to move home came up. So I went ahead and did so and worked with an office out of Marysville uh, called Galloway Uyghurs and Brenniger for about four years. Uh, When the opportunity to come do what I'm doing today with Patterson Legal Group came up, I could not say no to that. And here we are today. Awesome. Well, Patterson's a big group, very reputable. Um, one question I have is what made you choose, uh, the schools you chose? So I, (laughs) a lot of factors really go into making those choices that I did. I didn't grow up with a whole lot. Um, I grew up in a small, uh, less than a thousand square foot house with two bedrooms, if you're being generous and and calling everything a bedroom, I never really understood how much my folks sacrificed and how much they worked to make sure that we had what we had until I got out of the house, uh, which I feel very blessed and very thankful for. So right, honestly, uh, the choice to go to Kansas State was twofold. Number one, it was close to home. It allowed me to be there near my folks. I had a grandfather who was in hospice care at the time that I wanted to spend as much time as I could. I'd I'd basically grown up in their household four blocks away as a child and and wanted to spend some of those last times with him that I could. And I'm very grateful that I got to do that. Uh, Another factor is uh, K-State was free for me. I was offered an academic full ride and I was in that position. I, I remember that conversation that was very difficult. Um, where my parents told me straight up, if you want to go to one of these private schools, one of these East Coast schools that you've gotten into, uh, please do it. But we're not going to be able to help you with anything when you get out there. So I did what I needed to do at the time. Huge proponent of student loan forgiveness, by the way. But I did what I needed (laughs) to do at the time and uh, just stayed close. And I'm incredibly thankful for it. Don't ever get me wrong with that. I know that K-State was the right choice for me and continues to give back to this day. 
Well, it seems like you can't go wrong with K-State. Sounds like uh, our backgrounds are very similar that, man, I grew up on a dirt farm and it was just like everything you wanted, you had to go get on your own. It just, nothing was there available to you. That's, that's an awesome story right there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up, you know, a lot of farms, a lot of ranches in the area. Our farming ranching operation, we sold off all of our cattle when I was about 10 or 11 and we replaced them with quail. Oh, wow. We, that's We've got awesome. a quail ranch. Quail that ranch is, is our lovingly call. It's still going that, out there. That is awesome. So uh, we didn't really have, we had a little bit of cattle and a little bit of farmland, but it was just, it was tough going back then. That was, that was the day when it was tough to be on a farm and my grandfather ended up losing it. But anyway, moving on. Um, let me ask you this. Are you a sports fan? Huge sports fan. Huge so, sports fan. Who is your football team? If we're talking college, I mean, obviously K State, right? <laughs> yes, and, and I'll give a full shameless plug. I'm also a partner with Wildcat NIL, the preferred name image likeness collective of K State Athletics. Um, so, if there are any K State fans listening to this, please reach out catsnil.com. Uh, check out everything we're doing to help those student athletes uh, professionally. So that's also a really good question. My folks both grew up in Colorado, and they moved to Kansas about three months before I was born. All of that said, I never had a choice. Uh, there was no chance for me. I'm a Broncos fan. Oh, man, that's going to be tough, as good as the Chiefs are now. <laughs> well, and having grown up it, as close to Kansas City as I did, so my hometown's about 20 miles from the Nebraska line and about 80 miles from St. Joe, give or take, uh, there in Missouri. So, so for people who don't know where that is, Kansas is a rectangle with a bite taken out of one of the corners. Right. St. Joe, Missouri is in that bite, just right there along the river. So, right, right. And it's where Chiefs do training camp every year. Right. Yep. No joke. I mean, everybody's got to, anybody from Kansas or Missouri has got to know where St. Joe is. You got to go right through there if you're on the interstate. Yes. Yes. So you start off in general practice. What led you into the personal injury? The whole reason that I got into this and most people, whether all of them are telling the truth or not, but I wanted to give back and I wanted to help people and I wanted to help individuals. Um, I was told when I first started off into my legal career, uh, I, it may have been graduation day from law school. The strangest advice I've ever received in my life, but also some of the best advice I've ever received in my life. It was, don't go be the attorney who tears down the puppy orphanage to build the baby seal punching factory in its place. Ah, uh, that is good advice. Be, wow. be the person who does the right thing, essentially. And as I worked through different areas, um, I was city attorney in a good number of towns across northeast Kansas and north central Kansas. And I really enjoyed that. Um, obviously, in general practice, you do some criminal defense, you do some probate, you do some business formations and LLCs, um, you do those domestic cases. Uh, my office also served as county counselors in Marshall County, Kansas. So I did the uh, child needed care cases as the state and served as guardian ad litem, all those different positions with those. Um, well, those positions in particular, I really enjoyed because I got to see the positive changes that I could help people make on those family levels and 
just in their lives. And that is a lot of what led me to doing strictly personal injury is being able to help individuals who are going through what may well be the toughest times of their lives, working with those families who just lost a loved one, working with those people who may never walk again. And knowing that on the other side of all of that is an insurance company who does not want to pay them anything, who does not want to do the very basics of what they should do. And doing those David versus Goliath struggles is what I really, really enjoy. I had a client tell me once that the reason he called us was because he knows that that insurance company probably has a hundred attorneys working for them. So why shouldn't he have one on his side? That was part of what really resonated with me is working with the underdogs in reality. That is so interesting. uh, The point you just made there, because, you know, I, I work with a lot of insurance companies and I've really never heard that perspective before. You know, let me ask you this. How often is it that you find insurance companies that are really being that brutal on someone on a payout? Because you hear it, you hear it like you see the commercials, you know, the insurance companies don't want to pay or they're just really stricken to where they're not giving. But how brutal are they? And and from your perspective, it actually sounds like fun to go against them. (laughs) It can be. It really can be. Um, Knowing that we really are the good guys and power to the PR teams that those insurance companies have where, oh, they're just out there chasing ambulances, trying to get a quick buck. Oh, they're just, you know, out there following the bag or whatever that that's not, that couldn't be further from the truth. I take my satisfaction out of handing my client a check. I take the satisfaction out of negotiating a million dollar medical bill that my client may have down to $6,000. Those are the things that provide me that satisfaction. What one prime example um, that I do have authority to talk about along those lines of that question, I represented a family who had lost their seven-year-old son. He was hit in a crosswalk, um, hit in the crosswalk on his way to school and was killed instantly uh, when he was hit by that vehicle. The cost for the ambulance to come out, and I'm going to make up figures here, but the cost for the ambulance to come out and pronounce him dead and take him from the scene of the accident to uh, the mortuary was approximately $1,600. And the offer that the insurance company had made to that family was approximately $1,600. They were going to pay that bill for the ambulance ride down to the penny and nothing else. That's when I got called. Oh my gosh. That's when I got called. That's when I stepped in. That's when I did uh, what we were able to do and got a policy limit settlement uh, very quickly on that matter. Wow. That's like a terrible story, too. It absolutely. Terrible for the family. It really was. I like to remind folks, um, usually adjusters when I'm talking to them sometimes, hey, I'm only asking you to pay what's right to pay what's just. When you see a CEO with these major insurance companies banking $18 million in bonuses every year on top of their salary and those things. And you just want to see folks have their bills covered, have those expenses covered, and just the compensation that is 
legally deserved. I don't feel like I'm asking for too much. There is no replacement for losing like a seven-year-old kid or or any person really. Wow, that's a that's a story. So, um, what was your probably your largest case that you've ever had? So I am a million dollar advocate pending, uh, but but we have had a million dollar case that did involve a fatality, of course, um, with a semi company in uh, the midst of a dust storm. Um, truck couldn't see, struck a stop vehicle. That did lead us to that settlement. So in a situation like that, I mean, the truck driver couldn't see. It's it's really not a big issue for him anyway. It's not like he did anything, what do you want to say, uh, on purpose. But sure. the insurance is there for a reason, right? Exactly. And I have never once felt, well, there are about two or three exceptions, but I've never once felt that the folks that I am representing were harmed on purpose. I don't ever want the individual on the other side who was driving that other vehicle who didn't clear their snow out you know, whoever didn't do what they needed to do to keep everybody safe i never want them to feel like i am coming at them i never want them to feel like i am an adverse party to them things happen and all that i am out to do and wanting to do in my career is make sure that those people who have been harmed get justice Right. That's all it is. It's not personal. It's not, ah, you did this word, you know, coming at you, barrels blazing. It's let's get that civil justice. Let's make, like you said, that there's no replacing a loved one. There's no replacing, you know, when somebody's lost that ability to walk, that ability to speak, those things. You cannot replace that. But with civil justice, we're able to compensate that as well as possible to sit back and say, oh, can't fix it, not going to do anything about it, is just absurd to me. So by going and getting that civil justice and just getting as close to righting that wrong as we can is where it all comes from. It, it is the point at the end of the day. Well, and I think uh, that's a great, great way to put that. But even for the family, there's there's no replacement. But, you know, at least that helps them get closure, I would think, at best case. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are many folks that I work with where the conversation at some point during our, our course of representation turns to, well, I just want this done. I just want this over. I don't want that cloud hanging over us anymore. I understand that 100 percent. One hundred percent for exactly the reason you just said it it can bring that closure it can bring a finality to a really tragic really terrible event that they may not have had otherwise right right so in your business um what do you what's the one of the biggest challenges that you think you've faced or faced in the past that's a really good question as far as Moving forward, there are so many insurance lobbyists in state legislatures and national legislatures working to do the things that they can do to help cap, help reduce the amount that's available on awards. Uh, Like I said, I'm licensed in Nebraska. Also, that's something that's being watched closely in uh, their unicameral legislature up there, but something that's being watched very closely this session up there is, again, doing what we need to do to help protect individuals from 
I mean, there, but four of the eight biggest corporations in America are insurance companies. And I'm not going to be one to, you know, point and say that, oh, you know, sometimes companies have some undue influence in our government. It's a thing that happens. It is what it is there. So just knowing some of the things that may come up from that moving forward in the future and looking towards that is one challenge that I think most people don't really look at. Another issue that I deal with, I've dealt with in the past, still deal with a little bit, not as much. I'm 33 years old. I am young. I admit that. I know that. Sometimes people just look at me and I get that. Does this guy know what he's doing? Does he know what's happening? Exactly. Does he have experience? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And and I've been blessed enough to have had the success that I've had um, already in the course of my legal career, which none of it was given to me, not by any stretch of the imagination. But it's still certainly a roadblock that comes up from time to time, both with opposing parties and occasionally clients alike. That's actually got to feel pretty good, though, because you... Even at your age, you've got to feel like you've got a well-rounded experience and coming in, if you look at it like that way, that you're an underdog, that you're really over-prepared for them. I do. And on the one hand, I will be the first to admit that I've gotten very lucky with a few things in the course of my career. At the same time, luck comes to those who put themselves in a position to receive it. I have right. gone and done the things that I needed to do to to put myself here in these positions. Th- those lucky breaks still happen. I'm not tooting my own horn by any stretch of the imagination. Those breaks have certainly come. But at the same time, they only come if you're in the right place to receive it. Right, right. So what are some of the common, what are the most common cases that you see? And then what is like an uncommon case that you've had? So... A large percentage of what we deal with, and I think most personal injury attorneys deal with, are the car accident cases. Um, Two vehicle, occasionally three, is normally what you see. We also see a few slip and falls. And again, that's something that's pretty standard across our industry. Living in Kansas, where Even this week here in Garden City on Wednesday, the weather is supposed to be a high of 77 and then snow the next day. Right. Yeah, that's Kansas for you. Yes, not not out of line for the Midwest at all. So you'll see a, a decent number of slip and falls on the ice and those sort of things as well. Um, occasional dog bites. I'd say that's one of the less common things that we see is the dog bites. They still happen. Uh, But that's towards the lower end of the spectrum. I really can't think of any sort of one-off type cases that come across too much. It's limited enough in the scope that you don't get a whole lot of that. But X happened. Somebody got hurt. Let's move forward and get them back where they were. So like on the dog bites, are they... Are they pretty common to like pit bulls or is there a certain type that you see or because I actually I have a neighbor that has a pit bull and it is the biggest uh, it is the biggest puppy. You, you just can't. It's so kind and just mellow. Sure. It, it would never attack anybody, but you always hear the pit bull stories. What's your take on uh, what dog type is the biggest problem? 
Sure. So we could spend 45 minutes going over this part. (laughs) (laughs) When I was in um, my previous position before I joined Patterson Legal Group, I teamed up with a law firm out of Lawrence, Kansas, who was doing some work for the National League of Municipalities and uh, also the Kansas Municipalities. I I don't recall exactly the name of that legal association, um, but working with them. So I teamed up with them and a couple other attorneys across the state to help municipalities learn the correct information and eliminate some of their breed bans. And I was very, very proud of the work that we did with that. Um, Far too many cities, particularly in the state of Kansas, at at least at the time when we started this work four or five years ago, had breed bans, had bans against pit bulls in particular, um, and some other breeds of dogs that were considered to be dangerous. This is farcical absolutely absolutely a myth with anything about breeds with that it's based on old science that it turns out was not real science it was basically hey tony the scientist put on this sleeve made of steaks and stuck it in front of these dogs mouths and the golden retriever you know only three of the five bit him but every pit bull bit him so pit bulls must be dangerous it was pseudoscience at the very best and i was very proud of the work that we did getting some of those breed bans gone. So all of that said, what we helped those municipalities put in place instead of those bans on specific breeds was essentially bans on bad dog owners. That's perfect. Yes, that's the problem. That's where the problem comes from. It's the training. It's the people. It's not the animals. It's not the animals. So that said... It seemed that those who were breeding dogs for fighting, who were doing those things that were really out of line, had a propensity to move towards uh, those pit bulls and those sort of things. So we still saw a larger percentage of um, issues coming from that breed, but it became so easy to make the correlation between, oh, if we gave this guy a toy rat terrier, he would try to teach it to tear somebody's toe off or something. You know, they're not going to get a whole leg, but we're going to train them to do the same thing. It it was easy to show that that propensity was from the breeders, from the trainers. Don't want to use that word. And trainers implies that they're doing something right. Um, But from the people who were teaching these dogs to do these bad things, not from the breeds themselves. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, With the territory you have, do you do a lot of traveling? Not as much as you would think. So it is 2023, and the setup that we have here at Patterson Legal Group makes things so incredibly easy. I could not be more thankful. I can work from basically anywhere and and be able to do the same things that I do now. I'm always happy to travel and meet my clients in person. Obviously, uh, it's important for me to get that face-to-face time when we can. At the same time, if a prospective client calls into us, speaks to our intake department, it's something that either suits me, it's my time to get another case, it's you know something in one of those states where I'm licensed, another attorney may not be, then that's when those new cases are going to come over to me. Um, I do handle a good deal of our injuries that come from farms and farm implements because, again, I was raised on one. So I have that inherent knowledge of how these things work without 
having to go and do a whole bunch of research. I just say, oh, yeah, no, it's real easy to pump that PTO on a 4230. I know because I've done a <laughs> climate out of that tractor 14 times. Right. I understand. Just the things like that. So, but the technology that we have makes it a breeze. I can work on the train. I can work at the airport. I can do uh, all of those things. It's really cut down on the necessity to travel. And that's been really great. Awesome. Awesome. So being with uh, Patterson Legal Group, you have a business side of your practice. Do you have many, what's your struggle with that? Even though you're with Patterson, they probably have all your processes in place, right? They do. And it is, it's phenomenally easy because of that. If I had to think of a struggle with it, and honestly, it's turning into a strength, is just having different offices in different markets. So we have our our primary headquarters on Kellogg Avenue in Wichita, very near the airport, and two other offices in Wichita. Uh, With me here in Garden City, I'm four hours west of Wichita, but I'm still in the Wichita TV market and still in the Wichita, you know, but those sort of the, the media markets with Wichita. It makes a lot more sense to direct most of that advertising towards the Wichita offices when there's, you know, roughly 500,000 people there and probably less than that in the Western two thirds of Kansas outside of Wichita. It makes sense. It makes a good deal of sense there. So just finding and doing some of these individual, there we go. Um, Finding and doing just some of these individual projects here in Garden City. But that's something that we've really started to do and really started to build on, uh, particularly over the last, I'm going to say, year. I've I've been out here for almost two years. Uh, But something that we've really started focusing on the last year. It can be tough, but it's becoming a strength. I see. I see. Excellent. So if you had advice for like new attorneys coming into the industry, um, what would your advice be and and how could you help them with your advice? Be social and get to know people. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I was at the top of my class. If I could go back and do law school again, I probably would have put three of those beers down and picked up my books three more times. <laughs> and I'm yeah. sure I'm not the only person who's sitting here in my position who, who's saying that right now. But at the same time, I had enough of those friends, enough of those colleagues, enough of those classmates who would go sit in the library and shut themselves in their little study nook and come to class. And that was it. They didn't really talk to people as much. And and if that's something that somebody struggles with, that's okay. That's okay. I'm not saying this is a personal thing on any level, but strictly professionally, getting to know people getting to go to some of those events, be they social or not, um, getting involved with different activities can make a world of difference professionally. Having defense attorneys come up on the other sides on some of my cases who I was friends with in law school, who I remember talking to um, before and after at different events. I go to as many bar events as I can. I make it a point to go to the state bar conference in Wyoming every year, which is anybody who is not licensed in Wyoming, which there's not a lot of us. I sincerely believe it, it. it's probably the best, if not one of the best in the country with national speakers coming in. Many opportunities to engage with your colleagues who are always happy to see folks and see new faces. 
But just participating in those events like that, go make friends. That This is an adversarial system. We do not have to be adversarial people. That is the best advice that I can give somebody is be kind, be friendly, be genuine, make those friends across the aisle and watch how much your career will blossom because of it. Great advice. I mean, that sounds like it'd be great advice for any industry, honestly. All right, Coleman. Well, uh, I think that's a wrap for today. Uh, Appreciate you being on with us. Um, If you ever get to Wichita, we need to get together probably and have a coffee or something. Absolutely. Uh, Appreciate you being on. And uh, that's a wrap for today. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guests and their insight. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. Case Closed, the Contingency Fee Podcast is led by industry experts who unlock insights from the nation's top contingency fee attorneys. Each week on the show, the guests share how they got started, secrets of their success, and what's working in today's marketplace. Guests on the Case Closed Podcast include successful contingency fee attorneys that will share their secrets so you can close more cases. Tune in each week for a dynamic conversation about winning legal strategies that will grow your business. 